Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. Would you just be seated right where you are? No, no talking or normally right here is a moment that we socialize a little bit. This morning I would do it on purpose because did you know this Sunday is that Sunday? This Sunday in church world and the statistics, this is the lowest attendance Sunday of the year. No pastor looks forward to this Sunday. I do. I look forward to making rapture jokes and whatnot. And, uh, um, please hear me. We're in a world today, what day are we on in that invasion? 21? 22, uh, where everyone is so fearful of the threat of a next world at war scenario. And that could happen. It does. Could. What do we do in these moments? I find it so amazing that uh, when we're presented with situations where it looks like we're stuck and we have no influence over it, for three weeks at the outset of this year, I believe the Holy Spirit interrupted what we otherwise had prayed about and had planned for starting the year with a message three weeks in a row. Wait. Wait. Wait on the Lord. And we came away from that that says we may feel stuck, which these verses say, Isaiah 40 Verses 27 through 31, I'm just giving you the reference if you want to make note of that. Go back a few weeks on Facebook and you can listen. But it says, Lord, why does the justice do me escape your notice? First of all, notice the voice of the petitioner. The voice of the petitioner is assuming that their sense of justice is God's sense of justice. Don't we often assume that? Listen. I've said so many times through the years, joking, that in the United States of America, and especially in the Bible Belt, we assume two things. God is Republican, and justice means vengeance. And neither of those are true, beloved. <laughs> okay, so, we're stuck in a situation, and we say, Lord, that, that, see, see what that statement, the justice do me escapes your notice. It's like, Lord... Clearly, you don't see what's going on because if you did see what was going on, you would see the situation the way I see the situation. So let me help you out in case you're not inclined. Don't have to raise your hand. Anybody here ever prayed a prayer like that? In, in case you're not watching. But see, the problem is, is God flips the script and he says, hold on. Um, the problem is that you're not seeing the situation the way I am. Whew, that, and that, that, see, that's the turnaround. And so he says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. That word wait, and we came away from this, is a wonderful term in original language. It means a rope, a line. What do you mean? What does that mean? It's just amazing panorama. But it's the means by which a rope or line was made. And see, the neat thing is when you make these big, thick ropes, ropes I don't know how... Many of you have been around the, the, a dock or harbor where these massive ships come in. The ropes, they th- are like that big around. But did you know those ropes are made from thousands, tens of thousands, those that, of little strands about the size of a thread? 
And see, you walk into the moment and say, Father, I have one last thread of hope. And the weight of life that it is bearing right now is about to snap it in half. God says, calm down. Take your last thread of hope and wrap it into the strength of my rope. That's what waiting is. I got one last thread of hope. He says, okay, wrap it in. Because it's the same word that's used when he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for a hope. There it is, and the future. Isn't that amazing? So can I encourage you this morning that in all the craziness of the world, you take your thread of hope and wrap it into the strength of that massive rope. And, and so that's the wonderful provision. Do you understand, please watch, and I didn't emphasize this enough, that that particular action of wrapping ourselves into him is in fact an act of worship. Why is that? Because my worth and my strength is now found in his rope and not my strand. So as an act of worship, Father, I come with my one thread of hope and I wrap it into you. That's an act of worship. And watch what happens when we do that. Worship, God says, and by the way, let me add one thing to it we discovered. I've, I've said this to people 15 times this week. We suppose that our current state of weight is the result of the penalty of my past See, I'm moving this direction or some failure back here. But God pushes the reset button on that when we gain his perspective. When he said, watch, culture says that waiting is the result of the penalty of my past. God says waiting is your preparation for promise that I'm about to bring you. Now, see, what gets me from, what moves me from one to the other? Worship. Worship transforms, watch, stuck into weight and weakness into strength. You'll mount up with wings you'll, and, and, and you'll not be weary. You'll run and not faint. You'll change weakness into strength. When I wait on the Lord, everybody got that? Okay, you're going to repeat this to the person next to you, not joking or, 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 or whatever sort of social silliness we need to break the ice. Just let that go for a second. Ah, hallelujah. And I want you to say to them, worship transforms stuck to weight and weakness to strength. I'll say it one. Workness transforms stuck to weight and weakness into strength. Worship transforms stuck into weight and weakness into strength. Say it with me one time. Worship transforms stuck into weight and weakness into strength. See, when when I'm over being stuck... I'm not worried about the past that brought me here. When I turn to wait, I'm focused on the promise that's ahead of me, that he's preparing. Worship transforms stuck into weight and weakness to strength. Say that twice to the person. Take turns. Don't say it at the same time. Take turns. Go. You got 30 seconds. Everybody got that? Okay, good. Join me in prayer again. Father, I love you and I praise you and I bless you and I worship you.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need everyone to stand together to, to mask. Come on, please, real quickly. To mask something we're supposed to do. Right now. There, there's, there's one, there may be ten, there may be a hundred, whatever, and, or I don't know. But here's what I know. I can't move past this. I want you to, some of you don't need to look around the room. The one I'm speaking to specifically don't need to look around the room. When you heard those words, you thought of a person that needed to hear it. That person might be in the room. That person might not be in the room. Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you're a person here, that when you thought, when I said those words, and when we said those words, your thoughts were, boy, put them in the blank. Bob needs to hear this. Okay? May I ask how many here, or if anyone here, by the way, this is 1 Corinthians 14, how you test words of knowledge or discernment. This is what you do. Put it on the spot. Judge it. Is there, are there who here that said, you, that's me? That could, raise your hand. Okay? If you would, right now. Because it's a right now moment. I'd like for you, if the person's not here, take your phone out right now. Never done this before, ever. Take your phone out right now. If the person's not in this room. Now, if the person is in this room, here's where we're going to give cover. Go to them right now and say, I believe the Lord impressed me to tell you and to emphasize this message. But if that person's not in this room right now, you need to call them up. You say, hey, what if they don't answer? I don't care. You can say on their message, I'm standing in church. We have a sense of being in the presence of the Lord right now. And there was something we just shared together that when the words came out of my mouth, I knew you needed to hear them. So I'm calling and I'm leaving it on the recording. Perhaps we can talk later, but I want you to know that you think you're stuck, but God tells you to worship because if you'll worship, here's you got to remember that. Amanda, can you, can you, you're so quick with that. If you could get that phrase I just put up on the screen, that worship transforms weight stuck into weight and weakness into strength now for everyone else you're going to find someone in this room to encourage but there are some here that you had your hands raised that you said that person's in the room you need to go to them and say i didn't just pick you right now like pastor tom told us to all find somebody you were on my mind so how we're going to cover that is that we're all going to find somebody to tell that to. So we're just going to have a little worship break right here. You get to leave your seat, walk around the sanctuary in the southeast in the Bible Belt. That's entirely sacrilegious, but we'll make our way past it. So I want you to do it. we got about three or four minutes. Just go for it. This is church, by the way. This is church. Go find somebody in the room. Now, there's some you feel directed to pointedly. There are others making phone calls. Some you may want to send a text message. I'm encouraging you to let them hear your voice. Hallelujah. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. Just in your cars, I'm going to wait on you. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait on you. I've tasted your goodness. If you're
watching online, you may be one of those. There's a brother and sister that don't live anywhere near me, and I'm looking right into the camera. I wish I could walk all the way right back there. Matter of fact, if you can pull that in as tight as you can. My brother and sister in Texas this morning. I don't know if you're watching, um, but you'll know who I'm talking about. That I want to look you right in the face and tell you that you feel stuck. But God is saying to you this morning, if you will worship, he will turn stuck into weight and weakness into strength. Trust him. Trust him. I love you and I praise you, Father. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to wait for people to keep moving. Okay, I think everyone's back. Could you bow your heads, please? Every person that's here, I don't suspect it's a large number. It may be. But you're saying when you, when you describe that person that's stuck, Pastor Tom, I feel I'm there. I feel I'm there. Now watch this. Not because of anything of my own actions. It may be. It may be because of your actions, but it could very well be because of the actions of another. Has anyone had a loved one that's near and dear to your heart that they just keep doing the same self-destructive stuff over and over and, and it influences the relationship? It just tries to steal your joy. It robs you of all uh, that would otherwise be yours and you're saying, I, I just feel stuck and Lord, it's not me. I'm stuck with this person. They're stuck and they want me to be stuck with them. Is there any, am I talking to anybody in the room today? Okay, oh my goodness, okay, yeah. See, that happens. Stuck comes, <laughs> stuck can very well have a name on it. <laughs> I'm talking about the name of a person. No, do not go home and say, hey, I know your name. No, no, don't, that, that's not what I'm saying, okay? But lift a hand of, now that hand of identity that you just raised, those of you that raised your hand, now lift that as a hand of oath and covenant, hold it there. Will someone near them um, Drew, come here, son. Uh, will someone near them, come all the way up here so they can see. You've seen us do this. We're moving from Matthew 16 to Matthew 18. The Bible says where you lift up holy hands and make binding. But in Matthew 18, it says where any two or three agree touching. And it's this agreement. It's sumphaneo. That means, it means agreeing together or something. Touching anything that there's a third hand. God says, there I am, which means we stand here, we make it binding. Now, for any of these people right now who have their hands raised, turn around, walk over to them and say, we agree together right now. You don't need to ask them anything. You don't need to ask the names of the person or the situation that's got them stuck. Walk, let's be the church right now. Walk over there, right there, look them right in the eye and say in the name of Jesus, whatever that thing, that person, situation is, that's brought this to you, I stand with you in the name of Jesus that worship will overtake them and it will be transformed from stuck to weight and weakness to strength in the name of the living God. Do that right now. This is what the church does. Talk to each other. Hallelujah. Once again, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Mm. 
Just keep talking, keep praying. Jose, where are you? How far away are you? See, he's usually like the Holy Spirit. He's hanging out in the wings somewhere. Jose Barrios, are you here somewhere? He's, he's not out fixing something. Hallelujah. Right? I hear there's the Holy Spirit back there. Guatemalan Holy Spirit. Bring the baptistry on out, please, for the baptistry candidates. I think we have a couple. I don't know how many. I don't have all the names with me this morning. Let me tell you why they're moving here and why we're doing this. Once I'm waiting for everybody to finish their praying so nobody's left standing. You can be seated right now. Now, while they're getting ready, I'm going to try to give you a, what, what I'm about to do. I, I fail at miserably. I'm not saying it to be funny. It made me laugh together, but I'm not saying it for that purpose. And that is to summarize anything. Uh, summarize. What are you holding up for me to see? What? Their names. Their names? Oh, good. Another Holy Spirit suddenly appeared with information they needed. Thank you. Okay. Listen to me. Hmm. Isaiah 61 is a, is a passage about, it's in the Old Testament. It's about the mission of Jesus Christ, his redemptive mission. All 11 verses paint beautifully what Jesus would do in the New Testament or New Covenant as a result, not, well, not as a result, but as in keeping with the prophetic declaration of the Old Testament. And those kind of prophecies are there over and over. But this conspicuous word appears called anoint. In the Old Testament, anointing oil was used uh, to, 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 to designate uh, prophets, priests, kings, and things. I've said that for years to help us a little rhyming thing. Prophets, priests, kings, and things. Prophets were anointed as a voice of empowered for declaration. Kings were anointed with the authority to extend the kingdom rule of God. Okay? Priests were anointed in order to be a bridge of reconciliation between man and God. And then things are articles in the temp tabernacle and temple that were used for worship. Please listen to me. Whatever God anointed, he also empowered to carry out its purpose. Whether that was a prophet, a priest, a king, or a thing. Whatever he anointed. When Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, the favorable year of our Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the mantle of praise, excuse me, um, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise for the spirit of fainting. That word gladness is the word joy. I didn't know that until this morning. The oil of gladness. Beloved, as we enter the New Testament, Jesus 
would stand in the synagogue, open this book, and announce his mission and say, I'm that guy. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, if you, like I, or like me, have grown up in, in classical Pentecostalism, listen to me, then you have been around and heard the word anointing used for everything from goosebumps to your favorite song to anything. Oh, man, they were anointed. If we get this little... It had to be the anointing. No, 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 that can happen at a Celine Dion concert. I mean, you, you just, oh, man, I love that song. There's some people that will go to a, a 1970s band concert. I'm convinced Steve Madison believes that the Holy Spirit is present as an equals concert. I mean, see there? He just has a, he has a, I mean, he got that. Um, <laughs> and Jesus may be, but what he or I may sense at an eagles concert is not the anointing. Um, so I have a lot of fun with that. But here's where John cleared things up, the, the John and the, the, the disciple, the apostle John. He says, we are the anointed in whom the anointing dwells. Can I just announce something to you that I've never thought to tell you? The oil of joy is in you. The oil of joy is in you. And so I got something new for you. See, Hebrews chapter 12 says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the shame, despising the shame of the cross, who for the joy set before him. But see, if you don't know the Bible, you don't know the story. You don't know that where he got that joy was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, what is that, Pastor Tom? I haven't read the Bible. The Garden, Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26 is the place where Jesus went to pray. Immediately, it would be also the place that he would be arrested. His trial would begin, and literally within just several hours, you know, he would be crucified. Imagine that. Can I tell you this? <clears throat> the word Gatsiman, Gatsiman, Gethsemane is an Aramaic term that means oil press. It was located on the Mount of Olives where olives were grown, so you make sense. Well, they had an oil press there to squeeze it. Why did Jesus go where the oil was made? Because he was in a moment grieving, sorrowful, even to the point of death. Watch this. I've never said this one to you. Here's the principle we come up with. When you feel squeezed, go to the place where you'll be pressed. You say, what does that even mean? Hang on. Let me say it to you again. When you feel squeezed by life, go to the place where you'll be pressed by God. You see, when life squeezes me, it directs me to the place where I'd be pressed. There's a difference between squeeze and press. When I come back and I say, Father, I am one of those fully ripened olives. There's oil in me. I feel squeezed, but I've come for you to press the oil of that anointing to the surface of my life once again. Why is it important? He begins his mission, Jesus does, and say... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. There's that oil. Beloved, please hear me. We live in times right now that are grievous. When he entered the garden, he said this. He said, Lord, 
He said, I'm sorrow, I'm filled with sorrow, and I'm grieving to the point of death. And he enters that situation. And I'm going to read these to you. They're full of the, the more full and complete teaching. I don't know the date, but I'll find the link and we'll put it on the website. Matthew 26, this will go quick. Then Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there. Okay, here we go. While I go over there and pray. When I become aware that only prayer alone will get me where I need to go, I may have just entered the place where the oil is made. We're going to go through seven of these or eight real fast, like, and you're going to see how fast. Would you please read that off the screen with me? We'll leave it up there for 10 or 15 seconds and you can grab them. You need these. Would you read it with me? When I become aware that only prayer alone will get me where I need to go, I may have just entered the place where the oil is made. But here's the good news. You already know the outcome. That if I'll go to the place where the oil is made, I'm going to get in touch with that oil of joy. You see, Jesus walked into the Garden of Gethsemane wondering if that anointing would still be sufficient. You say, where do you get that? Read the passage. He said, I just don't know that I can do this. The anointing I announced from my own lips three years ago it, it is not what I'm feeling here right now, Father. I, I need you to get me in touch. So I'm coming to the place where the oil is made because I know the one who made the oil. I know the one that, that poured it out on me, that called me, that gave me a purpose and gave me a mission. And I'm feeling so squeezed. I won't let the world squeeze me. I won't stop, but I will come to the place where you will press me. Somebody's going to get that. Number two, then Jesus came to them with a place called Gethsemane. Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be grieved, distressed. And he said, my soul is grieved to the point of death. Now, principle number two, when I feel so grieved and distressed that I might not see tomorrow, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Somebody hear me this morning. Get your phones out. Get these. You need to take them with you. When I feel I'm so grieved and distressed that I might not see tomorrow, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Matthew 26, 39. He went beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as, as you will. Here comes number three. When I'm begging God for any other path than the obvious path forward and heaven is silent, God, please take this man out of my life, kill him, take him to be with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? You said that, what, you just leaped over. Get it. This person, God, I, Father, change all of this and you're staring at the sky like Jesus in Gethsemane and nothing's coming back. When I am begging God, here it is, for any other path forward than the obvious path forward, and heaven is silent, I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Mm -mm. Matthew 26, this one's one of my favorite too, I got to admit. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Here we go. When I discover that I now have to depend on the prayers from within me more than the prayers of those around me, 
Woo! I'm probably in a place where the oil is made. Those moments will be rare because God calls us to stand together. But beloved, you will be at moments where you're so grieved, overwhelmed, joy is nowhere in sight. And you just, you, you, you try to get people to pray with you, but they don't just quite get it. Where you discover that, wait a minute, I got to look in here and get in touch with God. It's the prayers from within me more than the prayers around me. Number five, and he came to the disciples, found them sleeping and said to Peter, you men could not watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Would you say that with me? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here comes number five. When it seems the current weakness of my flesh is greater than the strength of my spirit, I might be in a place where the oil is made. But let me give you the, the second. In every, look at me, in every redemptive journey, there will come a moment when we wrestle with the fact the commitment I made in spirit exceeds the capacity of my flesh to bring it to pass. In every redemptive journey, there will come these words. Jesus is not just describing the three sleepyheads. He's describing Gethsemane because the very next verse, he turns and says, I don't know that I can do this. The very next verse. So he's saying, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he says, I know that. I know that's not just why you're sleeping, but I know that's where the struggle I'm in right now. I'm in a struggle between this flesh I put on when I claimed to, came to the planet and the spirit in me that made this decision before the foundations of the world. I didn't make a decision about redemption yesterday or last week, but I spoke Ephesians chapter one before the foundation of the world. In your timeline, I knew this has been coming for a million years, but now here I I am standing here. You see, Jesus has walked where we walk. You've been to that place where you just don't think you can survive? And all these songs you sing in church don't seem to be equal to the battles of the flesh that are just beyond that door right there. Jesus says, hang on. You're in a place where the oil is made. And when that oil comes out, there will come a joy. It got me this morning that Jesus, that God prophesied through the prophet, what would happen when he says, who for the joy set before him, it's like God says, uh, um, I, I told you about that 700 years ago. That when the spirit of the Lord is upon you because I've anointed you and that oil that oozes forth now from within you, I'm preparing you for the fact that that's the oil of joy. Thank you, Lord. When am I going to need that? You're going to need that to make it all the way through the cross to the other side of my redemptive purpose and a resurrection. Listen to me. If you don't go forth in the anointing, the cross is terminal. The only thing that provides for a resurrection is that anointing that drives me there because I have a view beyond. How do I know that? Hebrews said it. Who for the joy set before him, he knew he would beat it. Woo! I'm in a moment where I feel like my hands are being nailed. Great. You better, before, they, before that hammer strikes, run back to the place where the oil is made. Matthew 26, it said, Behold, those were coming with, uh, who were with Jesus, and, and one of those who were with Jesus, that's Judas, he, he reached out, drew out his sword, and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. 
Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. He says, all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Here, I love number seven. When those I depend on most don't seem to get it, <laughs> I might be in a place where the oil is made. And see, we'll tend to get frustrated with them. If you're at that place where they don't seem to get it, look at me, they're not supposed to. This is a you and God moment. Gethsemane is the place I come when I'm feeling squeezed so I can get pressed. See, feeling squeezed, I have no control over. But God, we look the world in the face and say, I'm taking the power of squeezing out of your hand. I'm going to the place of pressing that's in his. They may look the same, but they have a very different outcome. Squeezing is to kill you. Pressing is to bring to the surface of your life that which is God put in you. You ever had somebody say, look at me, come on. You ever had somebody say to you, there's more in you than that. Pause. There's more in you with that. Watch. When God looks at it and says, Richard, there's more in you than that. Well, how do you know, God? Because I put it there. Oh. Oh. What is that? That's the anointing I poured out and into you the day you said yes to me. And you feel squeezed. Take the power of squeeze. Come to give the power of press. Does anybody get what I'm saying? Please raise your hand. Man, this, this is huge for me. <laughs> you look the world in the face and say, you can try to squeeze me. You don't have the power. I'm going to let him, okay? Oh, I love the last one. That's where, where Jesus says in verse 53, right after he tells Peter to put back the sword, or do you not think that I can appeal to my father at once and he will put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And how then will the, watch, how then will the scriptures be fulfilled? He goes on down, verse 56. But all this has taken place that the scriptures be fulfilled. Peter could have fairly responded, Lord, I've been with you all night and you've prayed three times, groaning, travailing till your sweat became drops of blood. And no, I don't believe that because God's nowhere in sight. And now you're busting me because I try to, to stand up and undo what you said. You said I would run out and deny you three times. I want to let you know I'm dealing with that right here and right now. And, and Jesus looks at Peter saying, way more than written there. He says, put it back. Put it back. Because I believe, see, what, what does he say? And here's the principle. Notice two times Jesus refers to the scripture. When I suddenly discovered that the words I've read in the word of God were written for me and for this moment. And I will choose to trust those words in this moment. I am definitely in a place where the oil is made. Woo! I don't know any way to reduce it to, to, to lesser circumstances. Now, this morning, mm, when I am in a place where the oil is made, it may seem I am, watch these seven things listed poetically. It may seem I am praying alone, heaven is silent, there's no one to trust, and I do not have the strength in my flesh to make it to tomorrow. But then, there is a sensation in my spirit of something that begins to trickle through my hair and run down the side of my face and straight to my heart. It is the anointing within me that has been pressed to the surface of my life. 
And once again, I find myself in the grip <laughs> of the purpose for which I was set aside and anointed and that I have the promised power that comes with things that are anointed. And I am one of those. I may have entered the oil press distressed and grieved, but I will walk out of it with an oil of joy for that which is set before me. The oil press is a place of transition from grief and uncertainty of the present moment to the grip of joy for the promise of what lies ahead. The world will look at you and say, you have lost your ever-loving mind. But for those who live in the grip of the Spirit, we will constantly baffle the final measure of those who would try to forensically dissect our behavior because it's a behavior born of the spirit not of the flesh behavior born of the spirit that will always result in actions that are beyond the limits of our circumstances and often make no sense in our circumstances you wonder where did the joy start I believe it started right about the time Jesus prayed the third time and he suddenly stands up and something happens why? Because the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my, somebody shout it. The joy of the Lord is my, the joy of the Lord is my, okay. I, I picked on you last time, son. Come back again. Come right here. You're just such a picture. No, no, take that jacket off. Okay, just sit right here on this, one of these steps so they can see in the light. Poor little skinny boy. How many know you look at this guy? That's a picture of strength. Safely? I mean, you think, what do you think when you see him? I can tell you the last thing you think is, oh, there's a man with an earned doctorate that's a principal over small children who love him to death. No, you think... There's somebody that I want to be in my side in a dark alley one night if I'm in trouble. There's somebody I want in my foxhole with me. Matter of fact, even more point, there's somebody I'd like to take home with me because there's three people there I would like him to beat up. I mean, you, geez, those are the thoughts you have. But there are moments when the crushing grip of reality will squeeze us. And we begin to do that. And at that moment, when that joy begins to trickle down the side and we begin to reel oh my goodness see you want to know where it happened I believe it happened with the John Wayne words of Gethsemane Jesus comes into the garden full of strength perhaps not visibly like this guy he's crushed he's squeezed and he says the world can try and squeeze me but I won't default to the world's machinations or mechanisms I'm going to go to the place and take the squeeze option out of their hand and put the press option in yours. Because I know that you transform squeezing to pressing and squeezing isn't to crush me. It's to uh, pressing isn't to crush me, but it's to bring from within me and squeeze to the surface of my life. The substance that you alone know is there that I've lost sight of because father, you put it there and I'm not sure if it's still there. And all of a sudden it's there. And then all of a sudden you find yourself, just rise slowly, son, like you're rising for a sense of purpose, right there. And Jesus says these words, get up, let's go. They're coming for me. Whoa, I love that. 
How many want to get up today and say, it's Sunday? Uh, get up. Let's go. They're coming for me. There was another Sunday he did that. An early Sunday. Matter of fact, it wasn't but about five days after this night. But the next time that would happen was early on a Sunday morning. There would be an earthquake. The ground would shake. The stone in front of his tomb would be rolled away. And the Savior that had been laying there on that stone slab wrapped up, he said, mm, mm, mm. Whew. Father, I know I used this line just about five days ago. But somehow, Lord, on the other side of that oil, the joy, the cross, and you resurrecting me, I think I just need to say it again. You say, are you making that up? No, this is Tom's version of the Bible. He says, let, I think the Savior stood up and said, let me repeat what I said about five days ago. But about five days ago, I was talking about 300 men this morning. I'm talking about the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Oh, let's get up. Let's go. They're co- they're co- forget that. I'm coming for you. Beloved. Woo! On the other side of being pressed is a joy. And can I tell you, if you want joy, most certainly that path will take you through Gethsemane. There's no other way. And all of a sudden you find in the moment that oil of joy is the joy of strength and you rise under the strength of that anointing. And God says, see, see boy, I knew there was a lot more in you. How'd you know that God? I put it there. Turn to the person next to you and say, he put it there. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.